every sports story that matters. Join for just $1 a month. Don't miss exclusive, in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Get all access to The Athletic's exclusive, in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Get unlimited access to breaking news, in-depth stories, and expert analysis on what's sure to be one of the most enthralling seasons in sports history. And listen, if the Eagles fall out of things by, like, week six, you're going to need to know what's going on in the rest of the NFL. Shil Kapadia is going to have you covered. You know, probably follow Frank fighting Frank Reichs. See what's going on with the Indianapolis Colts. So don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets the athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash birds with friends, as we've been telling you for years, you can receive an all-access subscription this time for just $1 a month. Sports are back and you won't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite team, so go to theathletic.com slash birdswithfriends, receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. We hope to see you there. Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just the trio of feathery brethren, weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like Scrammy's Top with cheese. It's Philadelphia. Bo Sheila and Zach kicking it cooler than three penguins till Zach runs off with his valet keys. He's a real nuanced goose. Pull up a branch, get loose. It's time for some juice on some birds with friends. The early bird gets the worm, but prefers getting turned like a turn on some birds with friends. Bo Sheila and Zach coming at you with steps and things, flapping their wings on birds with friends. All I know is Zach said he has a game where you don't read both 7,000 <laughs> And I said, I'm in. Let's go. Let's do and, it. And so the yeah, purpose that's of, what of, I, really what I needed was not to get at least one more reader. <laughs> Hello, everybody. How you doing? What's new? Welcome to Birds with Friends. Bo Wolf, Zach Berman, Marissa Morris on the ones and twos on a Sunday evening. Uh, all in all, uh, you know, you take a step back, a good day for the Eagles. They made up ground in the NFC East. They entered the day one game back from the top of the division. Now just a half game back. Zach, good stuff all around from this football team. I understand your bit, Bo. Uh, and I suppose a tie is better than a loss, but it's certainly not a win. And they, they played poorly. Uh, there was a lot that went into this game that was bad. That doesn't even include Doug Peterson's decision at the end, but certainly Doug Peterson's decision at the end to play for a tie. There's just a lot here to unpack. But you, but I suppose a a, a tie is is different than a loss. But this was a bad result like for it. the Eagles. The uh, you know that um, I think borderline offensive uh, old saying about a tie is like kissing your sister. I don't know what the what the A to C is. If the B is that this game involved the Taylor brothers coaching against each other, I don't know what the joke is there. But there's something there. I don't I don't know exactly how to connect it. I think the only people happy at the at the end of the game was the Taylor family. Yeah, exactly. Right? Because they yeah. didn't have to. The losers, have... everybody involved on both teams. The winners, just their parents. <laughs> just, just just the, the Taylor, Taylor parents. Yeah. Exactly. There you go. All right. Well, you know what? Let's um, let's cast aside everything that led up to it, and let's and let's just focus right on that decision at the end of the game, because mm-hmm. I know that's what you wrote about, and obviously that is what we are all thinking about. And it is uh, Doug Peterson who coached a team to a Super Bowl 
and then uh, released a memoir titled Fearless uh, and has prided himself on being aggressive. And we have seen that aggressiveness sort of beaten back a little bit, inch by inch, every step of the way since 2017, it seems like. And in this game, um, not only are the Eagles about to attempt a uh, what was it? What was it? Fifty-nine initially yard numbers? field goal. Fifty-nine. Before they were doing that, they completely turtled on offense, basically deciding that they wanted to settle for a very long field goal to try to win the game. Then they get the fifty-nine yard field goal attempt lined up. Matt Pryor commits a false start, which would uh, pushes them back to the Cincinnati forty-six. Correct. Yes. Pushes them back to the Cincinnati no, 46 with 19 seconds left. And their choices are either uh, line up for a 64-yard field goal, which they decide is too far for Jake Elliott. Uh, go for it on 4th and 12 and hope that you pick it up and then you can kick a field goal. Or embrace the tie and punt the ball away. And that is what uh, Doug Fearless Peterson chose to do. And uh, I don't. I mean, I don't even know what. What do you have to say? Like, who is this? Who is this team? What is the point of this season? You're zero and two. Uh, like, you're playing for the tie against another zero and two team. What are we doing here? Yeah, there's so much to unpack. So let's. It's insane. So let's begin with with the three options, like you outlined. And Doug, after the game, was harping on the fact that they had that they were lining up for the game winning field goal and there was this penalty and he was really lamenting the penalty. Yes, it was a bad penalty like you said, Bo. Once that happens though, you move on. You have a decision to make. This is all happening in real time. You have a decision to make and you could say attempt a 64-yard field goal. They had determined ahead of time that his range was going to be around 59 yards. 64 yards would match the career, or, or or I'm sorry, not the career long, the NFL long set by Matt Prater in 2013, and that was in Denver at 5,200 uh, feet altitude. So it's a, it's it's not totally what the Eagles have here. Uh, so once you determine that you're not going to kick that and that the downside of Elliott missing it means that the Bengals would have first and 10 from the Eagles' 46-yard line, then... You go on to that. It would. It would have. Now it would have been even further if they had missed the field goal because it's where you. It's. It's. The that's spot what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah, so so goal, from right? the yeah. Eagles, 46. Oh, the Eagles, 46. Because you're okay. you're backing up eight yards. Yes. So then you say, okay, fourth and twelve from the Bengals' 46 yard line. One and, play to gain 12 yards. And and you and I discussed this. It's it's basically a symmetrical situation yes. when you look at at the pros and the cons. The pro here is that you convert the 4th and 12, you spike the ball, and you have a kick from 52 yards or closer. The con is, and assuming you don't get sacked, because the one thing you can't do is take a sack, that it's an incomplete pass or it's short of the sticks, and let's say it's an incomplete pass. Then Cincinnati gets a 1st and 10 at the Bengals' 46-yard line, you're probably thinking there's there's between 10 and 15 seconds on the clock. They have no timeouts, and they would need to get 12 yards to bring it within a 60-yard field goal for their kicker. And, of course, they would need to spike it. So it's symmetrical situations when you look at the, at the, at the, at the 12 yards. Right. And the only, thing you can dedu- the only thing you can deduce here 
is that Doug Peterson believed that the that the Bengals had a better chance of converting than the Eagles did. Well, I I and I, like if you take a step back and you look at it, that is that is a decision he made. That mm-hmm. he he punted the ball away because he was too scared of the Bengals having a chance to do the exact same thing that the Eagles had the chance to do. But I think what is um, a little bit uh, blurry in all of this is that like this happened very quickly, right? The prior false start happens. Uh, you know, there's somebody in Doug's ear with with uh, percentages, but it's not like he's thinking through it super clearly. He should be. You know, this is what he's practiced for. This is year five of a head coach, and uh, you can read the, the the quote you tweeted because I do think it's illuminating. But uh, you know, Carson Wentz grabs his helmet. I, I was watching Carson Wentz all game today. He grabs his helmet. Looks like he wants to go onto the field. Doug pulls him back and sends out the punt team. Like, I just like, it's hard to it's hard to have any faith in a team that's sending out the punter with 19 seconds left in a tied overtime game between two zero and two teams. And it's now, just to your like, point, that is though, de- as depressing as it gets about someone being in Doug's ear with the percentages. And again, I I don't know this for a fact. When you're on these Zoom calls, you're somewhat limited to the information that's available to you. But I don't know. I mean, the Eagles were so hyper-focused on that 59-yard kick. I don't know if they were were preparing for the possibility of a five-yard penalty there. Like, I, I don't know if they were playing through the scenarios. If this gets pushed back five yards, then what do we do? Um, maybe Doug didn't have a play call ready. Maybe right. they just didn't know. Uh, there were there were no timeouts there. They they did take a, a delay of game, but they had their their punt team on the field for the most part there. So I I don't think the delay of game was so much them being unprepared. Now, uh, so perhaps they just didn't work through that, and that's and Pryor's penalty really put them in a tough spot not just on the field, but on the sideline as as well. Nonetheless, I, I think you stated it well. They had a decision to make, and the, on, and the only rational um, – I, I shouldn't say the only rational thought here. It's, it's certainly rational, though, to say that the Eagles determined that the Bengals had a better chance of converting than the Eagles did. Now, I do think it's it, – I do think it's different. Like you, I, there are people who are saying like you should have kicked the sixty-four yarder. I don't think you should have done that um, because then that does put the, the yes. Bengals right in position where they just need a few yards to get in field goal position themselves. But going for it, there are there are also other outcomes where you know, let's say you uh, complete a pass short of the sticks and you mm-hmm. don't get it, then it's going to be even tougher for the Bengals to get exactly. in field goal position. Like. There, uh, it, to me, this it's not only um, a cut and dried decision on what's right to do on the numbers, and I know uh, I think we're trying to look into finding out exactly what those are, but it's also just like you know, in the same in the same way that Doug talked about these decisions in 2017, like you give your team, uh, a, you send a message that you believe yep. in them. Like, what message are you sending at 0 and 2 that you would rather punt to tie than? even go for then have a chance to have a kick to win on fourth and 12. You know, it's not, it's not the craziest thing to convert fourth and 12. And Doug was, he was essentially posed this question. This is what you, you referred to when you mentioned the quote that I tweeted out. Shields favorite reporter, Tim McManus asked Doug quote, you pride yourself on being an aggressive coach 
and like the confidence it instills in your players by doing that. How does that jive with your decision to punt and create a situation where they had no chance to win? Good question. Doug said, that's a good question. Obviously, in those situations, you hopefully do what's right for the football team. That's probably a decision I'll look back on tomorrow and say we could have done something else. It is what it is. We'll learn from it. I'll learn from it. We'll get better. So while that marinates. What is like, I'll learn from it? Yeah. And what is, what? it is what it is. Like, <laughs> you know, you're the coach. It's in your hands. It's, it's, it's. And so what anyways, is like, I'll look at it. I might make a better decision. Like, what is that? And to that point. So I, I asked uh, Doug later about what we were to, about going for the fourth down. Um, I said, as far as going for the punt and not keeping your offense on the field to try to get the fourth and 12. Doug said, and I'm going to pick up the quote midway through. We were struggling a little bit on third down. Again, looking back, hindsight is 2020, I guess. I'll look at that decision tomorrow with clearer eyes and make a decision later. So, like, there's there's no making a decision later. You know, I, you <laughs> yeah, can always what review. What is that? Yeah, you can always review your decisions, but uh, but he's, he's paid handsomely to make these decisions in real time. Also, this trope of hindsight being 2020, that's applicable when we're judging the result of a play and not the intention of a play, in this case, there's no result to judge, right? Like, like we are operating in the same real-time information that Doug has. We don't have the percentages in his ear, uh, but but what we do know is is those three options you outlined: the field goal, the punt, and the going for it. Um, and and so. There's no 2020s hindsight here. Doug made that decision in real time, and there's no other outcome to look at. And frankly, um, the the sequence leading up to the false start is just as damning because uh, let me read this to you, okay? It goes, um, Miles Sanders runs for uh, two yards to the Cincinnati 45. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, no, hold on. Let me – oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So – the Eagles get the ball. Let's just go through the whole drive. Eagles get the ball at their own 45 with a minute and 41 left. Their own After 45. After the defense played outstanding, by like the defense yeah. on on the on the preceding drive had two sacks and gave, and gave them exactly what they want. Really good field position. I mean, they're going to take this ball with like the season on the line and they're going to it's going to take them like nine plays to advance the ball 14 yards. So First and 10 from their own 45 with a minute and 41 left. Uh, Carson Wentz passed short right to Miles Sanders out of bounds for seven yards. So now they're at the Cincinnati 48 with just five seconds taken off the clock. You're at the Cincinnati 48, second and three with 136 left. Hand off to Miles Sanders for three yards. It gets reviewed and it's only two yards. So now it's third and one at the Cincinnati 46, a minute 34 left. Carson Wentz sneaks it for a first down. Then, by the way, a very bizarre timeout called by Zach Taylor. I very don't know what bizarre, that was all yeah. about. Yeah. Um, so now, now the Eagles are first and 10 with a minute 26 left at the 44, and they hand it off to, to Miles Sanders, who gains a yard. And then on second – so now the clock is running. On second and nine, Wentz has to scramble for two yards. So now it's third and seven at the 41, and then this is when he throws an incomplete pass to Greg Ward. So those two play calls – they're getting three yards on two plays. It's really like that first down handoff 
they are so happy to settle for a you know 55 yard field goal attempt basically and that is such like losing defeatist attitude so i i thought that when i was watching it in real time and then when i went back and i watched it over i wasn't as outraged by it there um because I, well first off when you're handing it off you're expecting 3 4 yards there i i think what you're trying to do is you're trying to get that to like uh you know 52 50 yard field goal i i know that's that that's not like the the most optimal field goal in 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 that situation uh but what you don't want is a play that can result in a sack you don't want a play that can result in a penalty you 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 want these quick productive plays that you can chop off 2 3 yards every yard matters once you get within you know 60 yards so when you're talking about there's a difference between a 58-yard field goal and a 56-yard field goal and a 53-yard field goal, so on and so forth. Uh, that being said, the third down play, the that pass to Greg Ward, like that should be a high percentage throw in that in that situation. That that shouldn't be incomplete. You know, you're what what you want there is just get a play that gets you three or four yards. Make that instead of it being a 59-yard field goal, make that a 55-yard field goal. Um, so that. I that's the play I, I I would question, but the handoff to Miles Sanders on first down didn't really object to that as much. I object. I think that's one where it's like okay, you you've got two plays at the line, and if it's a really good run look, then fine. But like the fact that it's only a one yard run is like is self evidently it's a bad it's a bad call. So like I check think, out of that then. So for for better or, or worse, and, and you could say it's it's for worse. I would certainly understand it. I think their preceding offensive drive was fresh in their mind. What I mean by that uh, is is that well, they had that that great pass to Zach Ertz um, that 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 brings you into Cincinnati territory. Uh, you have a first and ten at the forty three, and then you have a false start by Lane Johnson, and then you have a holding penalty on on Nate Herbig on a ten yard scramble by Carson Wentz. That would have definitely brought you within field goal range, right. and that pushed you back to second and nineteen. So I, I think what the Eagles were were trying to do was was just get a few positive plays to make that a better high percentage field goal, higher percentage, I should say. Crazy. I think the funniest, like the most damning uh, single tweet that I saw was from uh, Tommy Lawler, DFOP, who said the Eagles punted three times in overtime, which is just <laughs> yeah, like. Can you imagine that in a ten-minute overtime in which they didn't even get the ball first, they punted three times? Pathetic. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, you are absolutely right. There, there was, and I, I tried to make this point late in my column that it shouldn't obscure the the end of game decisions, as questionable as they are, shouldn't obscure the fact that the Eagles played a bad game against a bad team. Because they are a bad team. That's true too. And I mean, these are two of the worst teams in the league. And for full disclosure, so this this doesn't come out on like old takes exposed. If if the Eagles were to turn their season around, don't be worried uh, about this. No, They're not turning the season around. No, my my uh, what I'm about to say is that a tie is different than a loss. In that, if you look at 2008, the last time the Eagles tied, uh, coincidentally against the Bengals, they finished nine six and one that year. They earned a wild card spot over three teams that finished nine and seven. So a uh, uh, a tie is different than a loss. Then again, the flip side to that is a, win a tie is different, is different than, than a, a win too. 
yeah, yeah. A, a tie is different than a win. So you know they could be a win behind a, a a a team when it comes down to it, and you lament the fact that they weren't more aggressive there. It's really it's too early in the season to 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 know those permutations. If it's in week sixteen and week seventeen, and you have a better idea of where you stand in tiebreakers, then you can certainly rationalize more playing for a tie. The other thing is this is a different situation than Frank Reich back in uh, what was it two thousand eighteen. Uh, when Frank Reich went for a, a pretty low percentage play and put, I think it was the Texans, in position to kick a field goal. Um, what, what we were talking about, especially on that 4th and 12, was was fundamentally different in that Cincinnati would have been in this a very similar situation that, that, that the Eagles were. Yeah, they still, I mean, and at that point, the Eagles defense was, uh, was all over them. Um, yes. I mean, there's, yeah, it's the, the, it's it's really like it's really uh as you said it's like it's the it's the same thing it's a to a it's like these are you're you're giving your team one chance to get 12 yards basically and you're punting away because you're scared of the other team having that same chance let me ask you this you you know doug peterson well you've been around him now for five for for five seasons what does he say tomorrow oh man um, that's does a good stand, question. Does he stand by this decision? I feel like you've thought about this well, and you you know no, it better I, than I do. I uh, I haven't thought about it. I, I I thought about it when when he in in both of his quotes when he said, "I'll look at it." You know, I I might think about it differently with clearer eyes, so on and so forth. I think after the game, he probably felt about it differently, but he wasn't ready to say after the game. I you know I I screwed up. I don't think he's gonna say I screwed up. But I think he's he's going to wish that he was more aggressive tomorrow. Yeah, I think I think that he will walk it back a bit. Yeah, I, I can't imagine him coming forward. You know, the 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 only way I, I think you can he could even try to rationalize it if he comes armed with numbers about the difference between a tie and a win, uh, and oh, I'm sorry, between a tie and a loss. I don't think. I don't think he's he, he's going to fall on that sword or, or fall on on or or die on that hill to uh, use my my cliche. But that he's like happy to have a tie. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. that like if if he comes out and, and says you know at the, at the end of the year a a tie might help us compared to a loss. We need to be thinking about the long term. Like that's that's not the hill to die on. The hill to die on on this is to be aggressive. Like if 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 you lost that game showing faith in your team, right. I don't think we would sit here and say. Like, oh, Doug Peterson's crazy. He should have punted the ball. If they I, went for it on fourth and 12 and Carson went through another, you know, bad pass. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, obviously, listen, that's part of it is that there was not, you know, maybe there's not enough reason to be hopeful that the yes. offense could pick up a fourth and 12. That's obviously a big part of the calculation. But if they go for it and don't get it and then the Bengals, you know, get get have their own uh, Alshon Jeffrey, Jake Elliott moment. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think I'm killing Doug. I mean, no, I'm, I'm it, killing the team. I'm killing Doug for you know coaching a bad team that committed 11 penalties and uh, you know was just bad again against a bad team. But I'm not killing him for that decision. And and to your point about the the way the offense was playing, listen to this stat: nine of their ten longest plays occurred in the first half. Like mm-hmm. in the second half. And in overtime, outside of that thirty-yard pass to Ertz, they were not a good offense in the in the second half and in overtime. 
Um, well, that's true. Now, I mean, we, we we make a lot of excuses, but it is true that they lost Dallas Goddard in the very yes. beginning of this game and then Deshaun Jackson in the second quarter. So mm-hmm. they played the second half, basically, um, mostly in 11 personnel with uh, Zach Ertz, Greg Ward, Deontay Burnett, and John Hightower as their weapons on the outside. And then there were times when they took Burnett off the field and had uh, Dick Rod in the game. So that was high-octane stuff. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, nowhere to be seen. And I think John Clark reported that he had some, uh, you know, lower body. I think lower uncom- back, uh, Yeah. Whatever back. it was. Um, and he Got- played in the first half, Ortega-Whiteside. I saw him on the uh, on the bike at one bike. point. Exactly. Yeah, so, you know, he's, he's he stays a cardio god even when he's not on the field. Uh, but, I mean... It wasn't a great. It wasn't a great set of weapons by any means, but it was also an ugly offense. Yeah, and 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 we'll get. And Wentz to that, was bad we, again. I mean, Wentz was bad, except for that last drive. He was bad. Uh, the the last drive of, of the of, of regulation. Yes. Um, but it, look, I I I mean I mean big picture in terms of the of of the overtime, I try not to to kind of get into like the the symbolism of something. But it is it, it's hard not to think like the message that that sends to your team playing I, for a tie. Totally true. Uh like if if you're in that locker room, what does that say? You know, what does that say? You have a uh, and I'm I'm not saying 4th and 12 is an easy play to make, but if if you're going to go if you're going to lose the game or if you're going to put yourself in a chance to potentially lose the game, do it showing faith in your team, right? Yes. Well, and it was funny. There's a Brandon Graham quote um, from after the game. He was asked like a pretty open-ended, like, you know, what was the mood of the locker room? Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, everybody is still together. Most of the game was on us. Pre-snap penalties killed us in the end, getting us out of field goal range. That is something that Doug preaches all the time. Don't beat ourselves. I know that he hasn't lost the team. Nobody is worried. Uh, we know we just have to get a W, and things will definitely take care of themselves. Like, uh, no, Brandon, nobody asked you if he lost the team. <laughs> There's a little, like, thou doth protest too much. Uh, you know, it's, it's like, you know, my uh, my Doug hasn't lost a team t-shirt is uh, causing a lot of questions already answered by my t-shirt. It's September 27th. Like, just... <laughs> <laughs> like this. Who, who saw... If, if, uh, if we told you... This quote, you know, you know, Doug hasn't lost the team, and and we were doing one of our training camp podcasts, and we said, guess the date that yeah. was said. That would have been good. Had yeah, yeah. September twenty seventh. Yes. My goodness. I mean, That's that just good. shows you. That just shows you uh, what's what's going on with this football team right now. I think that's well said. I might steal that line. Yeah, please do. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen. You know, I thought there were there were warning signs about this team, right? I was I was pretty down on them, but what I didn't see coming was Carson Wentz being bad. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, that that took what I thought was a very uh, shaky foundation that was, like, close to the edge to, uh, like, the, the one pillar that you could count on is now falling as well. So, I mean, this is – I actually don't even think we need to get into, like, the big, big-picture conversation here because we're going to have a long time to have that. Yes. Um, you know, Jeffrey Lurie is going to have 13 games to – uh, decide who needs to go because there are going to be some people who need to go after this season, I think. Yes. But um, the whole the whole organization is is under the microscope right now. And I mean, think about it like, how angry would you be if you're Jeffrey Lurie? 
because like this team this season, you know, in this pandemic where the, you know, Jeffrey Lurie as the owner, like is expending a lot of money from his own pocket to maintain like the sanctity of the faux bubble that allows them to have, you know, the rapid testing and all that stuff. He is not getting the, uh, the revenue from tickets this year. So he's, he's like spending all this money out of his pocket, uh, just to watch this team be one of the worst in the league. So like, I think you have to factor that in in terms of how angry this is going to make him. But he's a part of it, right? Like he's he's uh he's not an absentee owner, you know. He's he's aware of the strategy. He's aware of these of these decisions that they're making. Um he, Well, yeah, but he's not going to fire himself. Well, no, that's that's true, but I'm saying like like I I I don't think I don't think he's I think here, I'll, I'll put it this way. The the only problem i think that jeffrey woke up maybe not even considering was the regression that carson's showing um and you you alluded to it when you said there were warning signs with this this team but that wasn't one of them i agree with that and because this isn't just carson playing poorly like this is a, a regression that we haven't seen from a top quarterback since probably rg3 right where a guy just well, maybe like, he was never a top quarterback. I mean, yeah, you know. okay, all right, fair enough. But it's well, been three years since he was a top quarterback. True, but but there was a lot of confidence about the way he played down the stretch last year, and he did he did lead the Eagles to a four and zero finish. Um, and yeah, he was good. He was good he at the was, end of the year. He, uh, he was good, and the you know the interceptions. So like they have two interceptions today, both on the Eagles side of the field. You can say the first one's a tip pass. Even that was kind of a questionable decision. He didn't think so. But the interception to Zach Ertz was, it was just like, it was an awful throw. It was a bad throw. And yeah, it was a it's, bad throw. it's a throw that if if uh, 31 other quarterbacks in the NFL make, you know, you're, you're like, you're scratching your head up. And like there's there's no way you can rationalize that pass. And the fact that it's coming during a season, it's it's like these numbers are absolutely staggering. That he had 2000 and and 17, 2018, 2019, seven interceptions each. Uh and then 2020, week three, he has six interceptions. Like the the, the turnovers are just downright staggering. And then on top of that, and we talked about it. The last post game podcast, uh, he's missing throws, and, and you and I were sitting next to each other in the press box. Be- the pass before the Zacherts interception, there was a second down play, and yep. he had John Hightower open downfield. Richard Rodgers was uncovered, and he just like he just threw it away. Uh, so I don't. Yeah, he spiked. He spiked a couple other. Uh, yeah. It was like a swing pass to Miles Sanders that he just spiked into the ground, and he obviously. Also missed that wide open should have been touchdown to Miles Sanders. Yes, and and there was a time Deshaun Jackson was just completely uncovered and uh, did not even look Deshaun's way. I understand it's easy for us to sit in the press box and criticize the quarterback, and and we don't play. I know you played quarterback have in you, bubble ball, but right, uh, yes. but uh, but we have not played quarterback in the NFL. I'll put all those qualifiers out there. But this is why Carson Wentz has paid $128 million. Like, there, there can't be three weeks of excuse-making for him. 
You're allowed to have a bad game. You're allowed to have a bad throw. You can't have three weeks of poor performance when the team is built around you. Uh, and in year five. So it is absolutely concerning what's going on with Carson Wentz right now. Yeah, I mean, he's been one of the one of the like three or four worst quarterbacks in the league through three games. And, you know, you're paying him. He's supposed to be the, the best player on the team. Um, and I, I, so I was watching Carson Wentz closely today, um, you know, on the sideline throughout the game. And it's, it's kind of weird. Like, I don't want to, uh, be too subjective about this, but you know, it's not like he's, uh, you know, talking to all of his teammates throughout games, like some sort of like an alpha personality that, that you sort of see on other broadcasts around the league. It's basically come off the field uh, you know, do a couple fist pounds with a couple teammates and go to the bench, sit w- and look at the tablet with Nate Sudfeld and Press Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like what that's what he's doing 80% of the time on the sideline. And, you know, he, he sort of it seems to me like he's sort of just trying to hold in his emotion. And then he finally let it out in this game after missing that throw to Sanders, the one that, that could have been a touchdown. Um, and he came over to the sideline and slammed his helmet on the on the ground. Uh, and that was really it. But, like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, because wh- what's going on there are, like, if you're looking for explanations, you know, you hear you hear people asking about his mechanics. Maybe that's possible. Maybe he's injured. Or maybe, like, like what's going on mentally with, with the way he's seeing the game? Like, I, there's, there's no good explanation for how he could go from, uh, you know, being one of the best you know, a top half of the league quarterback to being one of the worst in the NFL. And it's not just the interception regression that, uh, you know, Ed, Ed Fang said was sort of presaged before the season. It's much more than that. You know, the, the missing wide open throws, uh, it's very concerning. And if the Eagles are going to have a season that is as bad as it looks like it's going to be, and they're going to have a top five pick, and you have a chance to take a quarterback, I think you do it. And I don't even, I don't even think you think twice as long as you, you know, grade that quarterback as worthy of that pick. I mean that's that's a that's a fascinating conversation. It's it's one we'll have to have in December. I I think you would need to look at the uh, what a potential trade package would be, and I do wonder if if before you even get to that point, if if you see what you have in Jalen Hurts. Um, but I I can tell you, but I I can't wait to read your column tomorrow. I will read it either before breakfast or after breakfast. But breakfast will probably be. Mm. Uh, Magic Spoon. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. I, I had the blueberry cereal last week, and you know I, I'm I'm 34 years old. My wife is telling me I can't eat like I am in college anymore. I need to realize the the carbs, the sugar, the unhealthy food. What's in that? And and uh, that's where Magic Spoon comes in. Zero sugar, 11 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. There's four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. It tastes amazing. Honestly, it's it's too good to be true. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. Think about that. You're you're eating clean when you eat Magic Spoon. Uh, my, you know, there there are a handful of different flavors. Some people like the cocoa, some people like like the uh, the fruity, I had that blueberry one. It was good. Uh, all you have to do is 
Go to magicspoon.com slash birds to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code birds at checkout to get free shipping. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product. It's backed with 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash birds and use the code and, and use the code birds for free shipping. We thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring this podcast. Well, Zach, week three of football, at least for the Eagles, is in the books. And now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four. Week four, the Eagles Sunday night football. NBC must be very excited about that. There is no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week four, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, Head to the App Store now. I mean now, because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to earn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. That's right. You can place a $1 bet on any team, and if that team wins, you cash a cool Benjamin. Listen, I think there is a San Francisco 49ers team that is hitting on all cylinders, welcoming in one of the worst teams in the league next Sunday night. That could... Be your source of a Benjamin. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience, and you can take advantage of things like I did last night. Just perusing what's going on there on the uh, on the odds. You lay 10 bucks on Hudson Swaffer to win the tournament, you win 50 bucks. What, what can be better than that? Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TOSS when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week four, Bet $1 on them and win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use promo code TOSS during sign-up. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only, in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Profit boost terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLAY. All right. Um... We've talked about Carson a bit. We've talked about the end of the game with Doug. Uh, I guess we should spend some time on the defense. Mm-hmm. What did you make? Uh, a good performance. Credit where due. You know, I have been calling for a Fletcher Cox game, and he was uh, very good in this game. Had a huge sack at the end of the game. Uh, you know, was questionable coming in with an injury. So uh, kudos to Fletcher Cox, who stepped up, as I have been calling for. Yeah, I, I thought the uh, defensive line – did what they needed to do against an offensive line that was clearly overmatched. Uh, here, I'm pulling up the stats in front of me right now. The Eagles had, so they had eight sacks and 18 quarterback hits. Like, that is, that's absurd. And, I mean, you you look at, at Brandon Graham, two sacks, four quarterback hits. Derek Barnett, two sacks, two quarterback hits. Fletcher Cox, like you said, one sack, three quarterback hits. Also, he he drew a crucial holding penalty when, like the center, I think it was Billy Price, just had had no had no prayer against him. Malik Jackson, a half a sack, four quarterback hits. Also, borderline uh, dirty hit on Joe Burrow, would you say? Um, and even yeah. uh, a Jalen Mills as a blitzer, one and a half sacks, three quarterback hits. Uh, so they did their job there. Now, what I will say is that. 
you know, you're you're going to have negative plays, but they had a bad. Uh, there was a third and fifteen, and they let up a forty yard pass to Giovanni Bernard uh, when they were in sticks defense there, and 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 that was a that was a crucial play because the Eagles had them backed up. Uh, other than that, I didn't think that that they played that horribly. Um, you know, I the. the there were two T. There were two T. Higgins touchdowns. Uh, one of them came when Avante Maddox had just left the game, and the and Trevor Williams came on, and the Bengals seemed to target Trevor Williams. He had he just he had no shot on a crossing pattern to T. Higgins. Uh, but uh, but like otherwise, you know, they Cincinnati had a short field a few times, and uh, I, I I thought the I thought the defense did their part for the most part. Especially, especially in overtime. Uh, like I said, they had that drive in overtime. You know, you know they gave the the offense the ball at the forty five yard line in overtime, and then an, an, a, another time was at the. Well, I guess it was the twenty. It, it, okay, here the the twenty three. So actually, that wasn't that good. But the but but certainly that last drive. You start a drive at the forty five yard line. Um, that's a credit to that defense. True. And did you did I was reading uh, something quickly from uh, Sean Taylor who was giving me something on the odds. Did you mention the sticks defense play? Yes, yes, that was the that I, I mean that was such a bad play there. <laughs> so pathetic. Third and fifteen. You know you you so pathetic. Third and fifteen. You can't like the the whole thing with that defense is once everybody knows it's coming, they they can prepare for it. I mean, and you suck at it. So yeah, I, I mean that. And Cincinnati got a field goal because of that. Yes, they did. Um, so basically, this is not; uh, these are sort of approximates. But the Eagles had about a about a twenty percent chance or so of picking up fourth and twelve. That's like that's what uh, the rate is on like third and twelves around midfield. Mm-hmm. And then if they pick that up and it's exactly twelve yards, the field goal probability is about sixty-one percent, which means I think that going for it would have given them like a 12% chance to win okay. as opposed to just accepting the tie. Um, and then I think you you have to measure that against what the Bengals' chance to do the same thing would have been with a little bit less time and from a little bit further out. Um, and it's hard because you can't say exactly how many yards they would have gained. But it does seem like the math supports that you definitely should have gone for it. And I'm, I'm fascinated to know, like I said earlier, if the Eagles – had those if this was Doug just going with his gut or if they had those percentages because like I said they were not you know there's a lot of things you prepare for and when you're on third down you you start thinking about fourth down but I don't know if you're preparing for a five yard penalty on a 59 yard field goal yeah um okay uh Slay got hurt in this game but then he came back and looked mm-hmm. uh and was and was fine uh, you mentioned Devontae Maddox, so the the injury toll for the Eagles this game. Dallas Goddard, who's reportedly going to be out for some time. Deshaun Jackson, who we don't know, but you know, he's a he's a young guy who recovers quickly and hasn't had injuries linger in the past. And this is a hamstring, which is never a good sign for because that could be a lingering injury. I mean, think about this. This this it's it's the same thing as Doug has 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 not lost the locker room. It's September twenty seventh. And we are in the position now where the Eagles wide receivers were Deontay Burnett, Greg Ward, and John Hightower. Mm-hmm. Basically, all they did was upgrade John Hightower over Big Bob. 
versus the end of last yeah. season. That's well basically said. the only thing they did. Well said. And they didn't have Dallas Goddard on the field. So, so they were in worse shape than they were last December at the skill spots. That's that's a great point. And the other thing, too, is is like Deshaun Jackson, who's not practicing on Wednesdays, who they're, <laughs> who they're monitoring his snaps. It's week three, and he's out with a hamstring injury. So... You know, some of these things you 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 can't prepare for. To the Sean Jackson injury, like, we could have absolutely predicted this, right? Of course. I mean, so, they're the ones who were monitoring his snaps because they knew that this is a possibility. Yes. So uh, this is just, you know, I, 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 I can't feel bad for them when it comes to injured players getting injured. I just can't because they, they, they knew this when they signed him. They knew this when they brought him back last year and had big hopes for him. Uh, you can do all you want as a training staff. Injured players getting injured is not a surprise. Uh, no, I think that's exactly right. And it's like it's it's even a little different than like like Jason Peters has been awful. Uh, he looks totally cooked. Mm-hmm. He was a turnstile today. He got hurt at the end of the game too. I didn't even mention him. Yep. Um, but you can give the Eagles a little bit more, like you can feel a little bit worse for them because you didn't expect that Andre Dillard was going to get hurt and Peters was going to have to play left tackle. Um, and I do like, you know, I would have doubted before that Dillard could have been better than Peters. He probably would have been better than Peters. Um, so you can give them a little bit of, you know, wiggle room there, but, uh, the Deshaun thing, you're exactly right. Um, and, and, you know, there, I, somebody was in my mentions the other day complaining that I was complaining that I was complaining about the Darius Slay trade. And I stand by that. I mean, Darius Slay has been good. Like he has been exactly what they wanted, if not even a little bit better. And guess what? It's made absolutely no difference to the team at all. The secondary is still bad. There's one good player, and so you can throw at anybody else, and you got a pretty good chance of completing the pass. You didn't. the The opportunity cost of of pushing those chips in for Slay meant not doing it for someone who would help the offense. And now the offense is terrible. And uh, a lot of that has to do with Carson Wentz regressing. But Carson Wentz would probably be feeling a little bit more comfortable there if he had DeAndre Hopkins instead of Deontay Burnett. Valid point. Uh, Look, I mean, we can spend the whole year relitigating the way they approach this offseason. And frankly, we probably will at some point if it gets gets bad enough here. Um, But I saw your tweet earlier about the the draft capital they've spent and and I go back to what we said on on Friday's podcast like they they've made there hasn't been a shortage of draft picks on the offensive side of the ball during the past 3 years but they're they're not getting returns on them you know uh it's it's easy for us to cherry pick Justin Jefferson and the performance he had today for sure. the Vikings when Jalen Rager is out with an injury and Jalen Rager has shown explosiveness but but that was a very real debate on draft day. It's easy for us to cherry pick DK Metcalf uh, having the day he has when J.J. Arthago Whiteside hasn't been productive. But that was a real conversation on draft weekend a year ago. Um, you know, I, I think the only one that we can't really like say with with any type of I don't even want to say certainty, but that we just don't know on is Andre Dillard. Now it's it's going to be the third year before he's out there. But, you know, that that draft pick was made looking down the line. And we just simply don't know that yet. But we could absolutely look at, like, the A to B comparisons at wide receiver. I think you can complain about the Dillard pick. 
No, I'm just saying we don't. It's hard for us to know the kind of player that 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 Dillard is because we just haven't really seen much of it yet. I don't know. If, I mean, he's going to be 26 next year. That's he true. Couldn't, he couldn't win a job as a rookie. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was you know he wasn't drafted to, but he couldn't, and he was mediocre when he played. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, from what we saw, he was mediocre at best in training camp this year. Like that's enough. That's enough signal. That's enough information to know that it's not. It wasn't a great pick. Well, and when you talk about the possibility of having a very high draft pick here, um, that's that's going to be a real question too. Because uh, you know the Eagles are are going to be in in. Well, I don't want to say they're going to be in position. They could potentially be in, in position with 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 Sewell from Morgan. Where you need to decide, like, do you have a left tackle or do you need a don't left? Don't you tackle? think? Don't you think the Eagles have taken enough Pac-12 players <laughs> for one generation? I mean, I, I don't think you can judge that, but uh, <laughs> but certainly, no. I I mean, like, there there aren't many positions on the on this team where where you can say uh, they are they're they're set there. You know, they there they is don't not a single them. there is not a single position yeah. where they are set. And the reality is that. If 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 this goes south, and there's a very it's already real gone south. They're o two and one, and you look ahead. They're in San Francisco next week. They're they are in Pittsburgh the week after that. They're home against Baltimore the week after that. So there's a very real chance yeah. we're looking at o five and one. Yes, um, at, at uh, and that's going into week seven. Then I and think, by then they'll only be a game and a half out of first. <laughs> but then I I I think it's it's. It's a very honest conversation you're having where you're looking at your roster and you're calling around and you're saying everyone is available, especially I'm all these older already. guys. Uh, you know, I, everyone who's not on a rookie deal is available. What do you think are the turkeys you would give to the possibility that Doug Peterson doesn't make it through the season? I think he's going to make it through the season, but I don't know if I'm ready to make a bet that he's the coach at the senior bowl. Mm. You know, for, you know, for the Eagles. Um, but uh, I don't think, no matter how how bad this gets, I don't think that there is. I I can't see Doug Peterson being fired if uh, unless like it's 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 a mutual parting where you know it's one of those things where you know it's coming. But I a I think it's too premature to talk about it, and and b I I don't think it, it would happen during the season. Yeah, I think about 2012 with Andy Reid. Like everyone knew it was coming, um, but they up to the Eagles, baby. <laughs> but they they let that season uh, play out. But again, I mean, I I don't want like that bite to be taken out of context. Uh, it is still premature to talk about that. Uh, Carson Wentz in this game, 29 of 47 for 225 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. Miles Sanders led the way on the ground. 18 for 95 and I think there were uh, some complaints that you know he didn't get the ball enough and I think that's probably a fair complaint given the way that this game was going uh, Greg Ward led the way eight catches for 72 yards and a touchdown seven for 70 for Zach Ertz again bringing that explosiveness although he did have a 30 yard imagine he, so that means he was six for 40 mm-hmm. before the 30 yard catch which is basically what you're getting uh, and then a bunch of other guys had some catches. Joe Burrow, thirty-one of one of forty-four for three twelve, two touchdowns and no interceptions. Wow, that's a much better line than I was expecting. And just under 
like under duress throughout yeah. the entire game. Um, Darius Slay did spend a large portion of this game on AJ Green, mm-hmm. and Slay had a big um, series at the end of the game uh, where they tried to go at AJ Green a couple times, and, and Slay held up. Um, a couple defensive uh, notes that we should mention. Uh, it did look like in the nickel, uh, the the Eagles Jim Schwartz maybe read the uh, read the athletic this week, and it was much more T.J. Edwards than mm-hmm. Duke Riley, and more Cravon LeBlanc than Nickel Roby Coleman, and and Strap looked good, although Roby Coleman did make a big play at the end of the game, but was also torched earlier. So uh, I think they're better with that with that lineup. And and they were in dime. Uh, quite a bit too. Well, I don't want to say quite a bit. I haven't seen the numbers yet. Not a ton. Not a ton. ton. Okay. Or at uh, least not with Marcus Epps. No, I I meant with Roby Coleman. With and, Roby, yeah, and that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah that's probably I would say like ten ish snaps. Okay. And then uh, when Slay was when Slay was out, and when uh, when Maddox was out, there was a period of time there where and they had Trevor Williams and Nikel Roby Coleman as the yeah. outside corners. Respect. <laughs> Your boy T. Higgins, five for forty and two touchdowns. I thought it was. I thought it was nice when you did a little. Uh, you know, you, you did a little uh, spinny headstand. Uh, you know, breakdance move after his second <laughs> touchdown in the press box. Did not do that. Of course, would never do that. That is unprofessional. <laughs> Please do not put that to my name. Um, <laughs> I did. I did nothing of that sort. What I did. Was I looked sp- over? To, I you looked spiked, over to you. You spiked your water bottle. No, I looked over to you. I looked over to you, and I, I yeah. wish, I wish I knew how to wink. I don't know how to wink. Mm. But you, I, what do you mean you don't know how to wink? I can't wink. Is is that like a surprise? You, like, yeah. I, what do you mean? Has that? It's like saying you don't know how to smell. <laughs> that would be a surprise. I can't like if I tried. You can't to wink, close one eye at a no, time. No, both my eyes would close. Really, Marissa? Can you chime in? Is that abnormal? I know some people that don't know how to wink. She's not listening. <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> I was like thinking like, oh, this is going to, Bo's going to have a field day with it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've always wanted to, I, I can't wink. Like I. Well, this I, is like a, it, it's like a sad Christmas story. Like the boy who couldn't wink. <laughs> if I try to wink, both eyes close. Santa, all I want is to be able to wink. Can I roll your R's? Can you roll your R's? That's all I want for Christmas. Can I roll my R's? Yeah. What does that mean? I can't do it, so I can't. <laughs> yeah, like that. Like what? <laughs> well, like, not like that, but. <laughs> like that. Well, I, I mean, I I would need to look this up. Yes. I can't do it either, so. But can I you can, do that? Weird, I can wait. Can what about that thing with your tongue? Where, where I can do like, that. Yeah, I can do that. You can do the tongue thing? Mm-hmm. Where you like roll it, yeah. yeah, curl it, yeah, curl it, yeah. Can you curl your tongue, Zach? From like the side, from the sides in. I, I again, I, I don't know what that's a reference to. Like I, I no, don't. like it's actually a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a thing. I, I, I don't know. I I, I I couldn't I couldn't whistle until I was like twenty four years old. Wow. Okay. And then one day I was just like I was just able to whistle. Yeah, I I can whistle. I can't wink. But if I was able to wink, I would have winked at you in the press box when T. Higgins caught the touchdown. Well, it's, I, I feel like we gotta we gotta dive a little bit deeper into this winking thing. <laughs> I think winking. we need all 
uh, five of your siblings on the pod to, to ask if they can wink uh, and all that good stuff. But, uh, Zach, talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or the Eagles punted on 4th and 12 with 19 seconds left in a tie game, and they're 0-2. Or, sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com birds and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com birds today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com birds. GetRoman.com birds. Uh, what else do we need to talk about, Mr. Berman? Well, there's there could be big picture things that 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 we must address. Yeah, I guess we should save some of the big picture stuff. What about the the stuff that happened in this game? Stuff that happened in this game. Um, Jalen Hurts. Uh, this was our first time seeing yeah. Jalen Hurts at quarterback. I look. I I gotta tell you. Um, we talked about this on draft weekend. If Carson Wentz is your quarterback, I don't like the idea of Carson Wentz being flexed out wide. Like it's it's very much like Joe Flacco, two thousand and eighteen esque, right? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, I, I just don't see if 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 you're gonna have Hurts in the backfield, or maybe there's gonna be times when when Hurts is on the field if if you wanted to bring Wentz off it. Although I wouldn't recommend that either. I just don't understand this whole Wentz flex wide package. Well, and I mean, listen, this was an offense that was screaming for some creativity and some help with Goddard and Jackson out. And like you could have used a big play and all we got was uh, one like nine yard run from Hertz around the end and then one handoff to Miles Sanders. Like if if there's something big that they have here that they want to that they want to showcase, show it. Let's Mm -hmm. see it like, you know. Maybe maybe Sean Payton just gave Taysom Hill a bunch of money, not because he wanted to use him, because he wanted to trick the Eagles into wasting a second round pick. <laughs> that's that's a good point. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Then 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 other than that, uh, you look. Yeah, I mean, I I'm looking at that at the defense. I, I I give credit to that defensive line there. But oh, okay. So here, I'm curious about this, and I briefly addressed this in my story. Uh, you talked about how how you did not like Doug Peterson, uh, the play calling on the last drive in overtime. What I said in real time was when they scored the touchdown at the end of regulation, I would have gone for two. Would you have gone for two? So I think this one is is you know that I am like always gung ho, go win the game. I actually don't think that I would have gone for two. Um. You are supposed to be the better team. You're at home, and I, I think, don't know what the I at think, home means, though. Well, well, that's a fair point. 
Um, but I, I think I would have not gone for two. So there were two, there have been two examples really of the, of this in the Doug Peterson era, uh, 2016 against Baltimore. They went for two. They did not convert. Um, Baltimore wins. Then 2018 against Dallas. And the situation was a little different because there was, I think a minute and a half left in the game. That case, they kicked the extra point. And I think their rationale after the game for why they did that was because there was too much time left on the clock. Dallas would have played differently. If if the Eagles make that conversion, they go up one, Dallas plays differently in the final minute and a half. And that's right. certainly plausible. Um, here, this was this was almost this was 30 seconds left. This was really like an end of the game scenario. Doug Peterson said he considered it, but he kind of liked the momentum that they had going into overtime. Uh, I would have gone for it. I just think that, and I'm I'm usually a big proponent of go, of, of going for two point conversions. If you have a 50 50 player, I, I I don't know what their percentages are uh, right now, and I would have to look at it. But plus or minus, let's say let's say two to four percent, uh, with a chance to win the game, I would take that over a coin Throw toss to and making the stop. I mean, if 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 you can't score from 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 two yards out. Then. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really disagree strongly. But you asked me in real time, and I would have kicked. Okay. I would have kicked, and I think that I think that that the, uh, from what I understand, I think the numbers support that like very marginally. Okay, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, good stuff. I mean, really, the important thing though is that, you know, these are all kids out there, win or lose or tie, they all had fun, right? I mean, they get to go home, have their orange slices. It's not a big deal. Was that the first tie you've ever covered? Uh, yes, because yeah. the uh, the 2008 was tie was the was the year before my yeah. first year. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's crazy that it's the last tie is is against the exact same team. Only only like three meetings later, and a team they seldom play. Yeah, uh, you know, I I hate to. I don't want to bring this up every week. And I'm 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 gonna vow that this will, this will hopefully be the last week in a while that I bring it up, because I I don't want it to be the the plight of the reporter. I but, cannot uh, make the same promise okay. about bringing up you winking, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. But uh, this is one of those days where I would have loved to be in the post game locker room. Yeah. You know, because after a tie, you you really want to get a sense of the mood. These questions about. What'd you think when Doug punted it? Like, like you really want authentic answers. Uh, so I, I would have really loved to kind of get the, um, to get the pulse of the team, if you will, after the game, which you just, you just can't do on the zoom calls. Well, and I have to say that like, is if you look, if you go all the way down the line, looking at what the season could portend, um, you know, the, the missing out on being in the locker room on a team that is going to be very bad. It's kind of a bummer. Like you're gonna miss you're gonna miss a lot of uh, you know maybe inside stuff that could mm-hmm. that could potentially go wrong in a in a locker room that is you know able you know liable to uh, be collapsing. Yeah, like the you know in 2015, you could tell that 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 was uh, that there was stuff going on in there. Yeah, and I don't think we're gonna be able to tell it on Zoom, especially when we're not gonna get to talk to Zach Ertz ever again. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I hope we're able to talk to Zach Ertz again, but so far hasn't been. I mean, he's he's one of your leaders. There's well, there's, he wasn't named a captain. 
That's true. But we haven't talked to Captain Jason By the head Peters coach, either. you know, That's not true. voted on them by the team. But, you know, we got, we got Jason Peters. We haven't talked, we haven't talked to Captain Peters once since no. he joined the team, rejoined the team. So uh, that's good leadership. <laughs> but we get TJ Edwards' opinion on a lot but of But he things. did, yeah, yeah, but he did, you know, yeah. but at the same time, Jason Peters did, you know, walk in and demand uh, more money, so. Look, I mean, this is... All power to it. That's also a good example to set. I mean, I'm not going to come up here and gripe about the about the media component of it. This is uh, this is the circumstances we're all dealing with this year. That's true. Uh, Marissa, what uh, what happened in the Titans game? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just going to say they could, they could easily be 0-3. But I will say the sign of a good team is a team that can pull out those close games, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe my pick was wrong. Mm-hmm. We'll it's see. Okay. You still got Six some more time. to go. Yeah. Hashtag but... Marissa's Titans. <laughs> I was checking. What was score. it? Was the line nine or six or eight and a half? Um. Because you could could still push. It was eight and a half. It was eight and a uh, half. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately. You could still push. <laughs> Tough one. Yeah. Yeah, you um, could still push too. If you yeah. get another, maybe they'll play the Eagles. <laughs> yeah. So not not a good day for me. Okay. Well, that's okay. I got a few tweets about it. Everybody's been monitoring the Titans. Everybody um, knows hashtag Marissa's Titans. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty upsetting. I mean, but yeah. So we'll see. <laughs> Uh, I'm just going through my notes here. So real quick, Bob, sure this is, yeah, yeah, so, and, and this might be better directed for the national reporter when we get to him on, on Wednesday, but I'm curious your opinion. Uh, of of these winless teams, okay, I'm going to read off the winless teams right now. Which ones do you think the Eagles are better than? And which ones, so this is basically the, the march to the bottom. Giants 0-3, Vikings 0-3, Falcons 0-3. Then the AFC Jets 0-3, Bengals 0-2-1, Texans 0-3, Broncos 0-3. I think the Eagles are only better than the Giants, Jets, and Broncos. Okay, so so you're really talking about a bottom five team then. Now, there are some bad one-win teams, I imagine, but sure, you're really like talking Washington, about... Sure, like Washington, but they lost. Yeah, but you're really... Yeah, I mean, I... So you think the Eagles I think are they that are bad? worse. I think they are worse than the Falcons. I think they are worse than the uh, Vikings, and I think they are worse than the Texans, hmm. for sure. I mean, I I saw the possibility that this was going to be a bad season, but I thought bad would be like six, you know, you know, six or seven wins. I, I didn't think I. I am kicking myself for not going all in because yeah. I really did see I did see disaster as a possibility. I just I didn't see Wentz being this bad. Yeah, like I, I thought that that bad would have been six or seven wins. I, I didn't think it could be a situation where it's bottom five. Uh, but again, I, I don't know I, I mean I guess the time that I'll pick the Eagles next uh, is that Giants game in four weeks. Mm. but these next well, three and, weeks, and, like, I, and I also think the more important question is then even who are they better than those teams is are they better set up long term than those teams well i think because, the answer is no there i mean unless well yeah because if you're i mean you're accepting that this is going to be a lost season and maybe that's premature because uh you know five wins could win the nfc east but uh like that is the more important calculation you need to make 
mm-hmm. and like they're they're they are probably better off than the Jets. They are probably better off than the Giants. You know, you could make a case that the Giants have a brighter future quarterback. I probably wouldn't go that way, but uh, yeah, once they hire once they hire a new GM, they'll be in maybe they might be in better shape. Well, not with Joe Judge, so uh, I guess you would have to say them. And I don't know, like who else is in worse position than them long term? I mean, I think Washington is, but but who knows? Yeah, I mean, maybe. Yeah, I would need to really look through. I, again, I I can't. I I did not anticipate it being this bad, but this is. But these are the kinds of discussions we might have in November and December if this doesn't get turned around. Do you think that's why you became a writer because you couldn't wink? Because I I don't think like, it has anything to do with that. No, no. no. Um, but look, I, I I think Eagles fans will kind of be. You should have a conversation them. with uh, the Ravens defensive coordinator when they come to town. Wink Martindale. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I never met a guy named Wink. Uh, in uh, in the in the third quarter, with the in the Bears Falcons game today, Falcons uh, were up twenty six ten. Okay, Matt Nagy makes a yeah, and I did not change. have a lot of Calvin Ridley uh, people telling me stuff today. Yeah, big game ahead. today, but uh, Matt, um, yeah, so Matt Nagy makes a uh, a quarterback change, puts Nick Foles in, and the Bears come. Roaring back, they scored. Looking here, Nick Foles to Jimmy Graham, Nick Foles to Allen Robinson, Nick Foles to Anthony Miller. Three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Uh, to to three come and back. zero. I took the Bears over. Led, yeah, led by Nick Foles, who looks like he's now the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. I don't remember who tweeted it, but I did see it was a good line that like it was it was smart of the Bears to. Uh, start the season with Trubisky as a starter so that you got Nick Foles as a backup as opposed to as a starter because he's much better as a backup. Yes, that's true. That's yeah. true. That was good thinking. Uh, would you rather have Nick Foles and Carson Wentz right now? I would not. No. Yeah, I don't think you could. I don't think I could go quite that far. Would you rather have Jalen Hurts? No. I do think like to the big picture conversation, and I know we've got time to talk about this too. But again, like. If this season's getting really ugly, you have to see what you have in Jalen Hurts. If it's like if they're like three ten and one, uh, or something like that, then 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 certainly, you know, I I think it it it'll be hard to sell it, or I I, I don't know sell it, but it'll it'll be hard to present it other than any other way than you're losing confidence. So so you need one of those 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 phantom injuries like you had back in. Well, I don't think it was a phantom injury in 2018. But where they just decided that all right, they're going to shelf him here, right? It needs to be yeah. something like that. I, I I can't see them benching a healthy Carson, a, a healthy Carson Wentz. He's got to take himself out of the lineup then. Yeah. Do you like? It's possible he's playing with a mystery injury, right? <laughs> I mean, anything's possible. This is bad. Yeah, it's bad. All right. Well, we're going to have a lot of time to talk about this and uh, be depressed over the course of the next few months. So, um. Yeah, I guess that's about it. Good. We will be a good, back on a good season. A good season to uh, <laughs> hopefully spend some time on paternity leave. All right. Well, I'm I'm excited for for uh, you and your family. Thank you. 
Uh, okay, Zach, what's uh, set us up for the next couple days? So we'll have Doug Peterson tomorrow. Very curious to hear what he says. Uh, then Tuesday, we will have Jim Schwartz and Dave Fipp. I think this is an interesting one for Dave Fipp. Mm. Uh, it's it's going to be one of the more interesting Dave Phipps. You saw a little something on the on the punt, didn't you? I don't. I mean, I don't know what it was. Uh, there, there. I I'm curious whether they had the look for a potential fake, and then based on the Bengals' look, they let it be a, a delay of game. It just seemed they rushed their punt unit out. Okay, so it's it's not like they were just taking the delay of game initially, and then the punt unit was looking toward the sideline, basically like throughout that that point there uh so i i wonder if there was any possibility for a fake play and then when they saw mm. what the Bengals had they 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 did not do it i think it might have just been rampant confusion because they were not prepared to go onto the field in the yeah. first place yeah could have been that it could have been that uh but no it's it's uh uh we'll get day fifth tuesday we'll get players tuesday then wednesday they they start to look ahead to san francisco and um, I'm curious uh, what the tenor of the team is going to be this week. Hmm. Or the alto. Or the alto, correct. Okay. All right. Well, for uh, Zach and Marissa and Sheil, wherever he is, I'm Bo. Thanks for listening. I'm sorry that you guys are uh, fans of such a bad team, but we'll we'll be there to chronicle it as best we can. With a wink from us to you, thanks for listening, and as always, we love you.